just a, a bit of a poll to start off with. Just hands up if you've ever experienced healing from God. That's quite a good, good proportion of us. Okay, that's, that's, that's really good. That's encouraging. That's great. Praise God. That's a great start. He is a God who, who heals. We, um, we have, as you know, we've been doing a, a, a series on living in the kingdom of God. Uh, uh, start, starting off 2018 um, here for the West Site. And uh, we've been looking at what it means to be the people of the kingdom. Okay, the kingdom of God. Um, <clears throat> something that the Bible talks about a lot. Something that Jesus talked about a lot in his ministry. And what I've been saying over the last few weeks is that um, we are the people of the kingdom. Okay, so that the church of Jesus is the people of the kingdom of God. Um, the, when the kingdom of God comes, there's kind of a double element to it. There's, um, there's, a, there's an individual element and there's a collective element to it. Okay, so when the kingdom of God comes, so is it, there seems to be quite a lot of uh, <laughs> interest in what's happening over there. So. <laughs> James, he's just brilliant. And just, don't you just love watching him work? I it's fantastic. Really good. <laughs> great. Okay, now if you could give me your attention, that would be great. Thank you. Thank you very much. The kingdom of God is, there's a double element. When the kingdom comes, uh, there's an individual element and a collective element. So individually, we've been saying that the kingdom comes when an individual person bows the knee to Jesus. They believe in the gospel. Um, they receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers and they, they give their life to Jesus. And it can be said that the kingdom of God has come when a person bows the knee and submits to Jesus. That's why I guess we're all here, isn't it? That's why we, we get up on a Sunday morning, come to church. That's why we live our Christian lives because the kingdom has come in our lives. The kingdom, it's said, is, is, a, is a kingdom of righteousness, joy, and peace. And that's what we know when we become Christians, when we give our lives to Jesus. That sort of enters our life. The peace of God, the, the, the righteousness, the joy of God comes into our lives. And so we enter the kingdom of God. But there is also a very collective element to the kingdom of God. And that's that really, when you look throughout the Bible, God is always wanting to create for himself a people. He's interested in individuals. He's interested in us as individuals. But he's always wanted to make for himself a people right throughout, right from the very beginning, really. And that's what we are. That's what the church is, the community of the kingdom of God. Because actually, if you think about it, the kingdom of God is, is always best expressed in community. It's best expressed when we're all together. Um, because, as we know, Jesus is commands to us were remain in my love how do you remain in my love by loving one another by loving one another so the kingdom of God is best expressed when we are together living out the righteous reign of Jesus in our lives as individuals but also in our relationships with one another okay so we are the community of the kingdom and that is so significant because it means that that this gathering here that, that the church is something so glorious, is something so different to anything else that exists in the world and something that is actually so precious and something that we, we ought to treasure and prize. And that's why we, we protect our relationships with one another. That's why we always forgive each other and love each other and, and keep short accounts and all of those kind of things. That's why we, we do that because this is the kingdom of God. This is the place where God is present in the world. Not just a meeting like this, but in our lives together as a community of people. And so we've been looking, haven't we, at how 
how that plays out in a couple of different areas. We look firstly at hospitality, that the kingdom of God um, is, is shown through hospitality as we, as we reach out to others and, and um, offer hospitality and practice hospitality. And we've also looked at service, how the kingdom of God is expressed through laying ourselves down and serving one another in the way that Jesus did when he washed his disciples' feet. And we've been saying that it's about, it's about receiving the grace of God and, and administering it and giving it out. So we receive the washing of Jesus and therefore we can wash each other's feet. We receive an invitation from a God who invites us home and therefore we can give out hospitality and invite others into the same experience of grace. And today we're looking at the power of the kingdom. This is the final one. And it's possible that this is going to be a bit more challenging perhaps. Uh, And that's because I think perhaps it might challenge some of our status quo in our lives. It certainly has challenged mine as I've been preparing. And perhaps some of the things that we, we accept, some of the things that we kind of live with. Uh, and I really hope, if I've done my job right, that today the expectation levels that we have regarding the power of the kingdom will have increased as a result of today. Okay, so uh, be prepared just to, just to sort of prepare yourself for, 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 to be challenged by God as we, as we go through this. So when we talk about the power of the kingdom and the power of the king, let's, let's, let's open that out a little bit and think about what we mean by that. It could be said uh, in our society that Christianity is something of an influence Okay, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, people would see it as a value system. So for those people who are Christians, okay, they're generally good people. It teaches them good morals. It helps them to live a good life. Uh, and maybe there's kind of a, an element of spirituality in that, and that's a good thing as well. Um, often people um, like their kids going to a Christian school because it teaches them good, grounds them, gives them good morals and that sort of thing. And so, you know, Christianity is, in a way, is seen perhaps as, 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 as a, one of the things that's there in society. It's been more prominent before, it's less prominent now, but it still exercises, for most people, a, a generally good influence. But when you talk in terms of power, is, is that how it's seen by people? I, I would suggest that, generally speaking, no. It's not seen as something that's powerful. Perhaps it's seen as something that's positive but not necessarily powerful. Certainly not as powerful as it was, say, in the 1930s in Birmingham when George Jeffries came here and filled the town hall night after night and then out, outgrew it, so filled the new Bingley Hall just underneath the Hockley flyover with a capacity of 15,000 people. Did you know that? In 1930, this guy, George Jeffries, he came to Birmingham, preached night after night for over a month in the new Bingley Hall thousands of people literally came, heard the gospel, received healing and had a massive impact on on the city and other times in history you can look at where perhaps there were revivals or we saw times where Christianity was more seen as something that was a matter of power and this is where I want to challenge us on really because I think where our society is sees Christianity maybe as a talking point, maybe as as a good value structure but definitely not something to do with power. Whereas, Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 20, 
says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Paul, when he went to Corinth, it was a place where there were many great orators, many great kind of Greek thinkers. They loved to stand up in public and debate, and it was all about how good they were at debating and how, how eloquent they were. And Paul came along, and he wasn't that eloquent, and he wasn't that good at debating. But he had this message. It was called Christ and Him Crucified. And it says that he didn't come with wise words, but he came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And in Corinth, the church was planted. Uh, the king, kingdom of God was, was born. There were healings. There were, there were breakthroughs, lots of salvation. And that was through, God, through Paul coming with this message and demonstrating something of the power of God. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, the kingdom of God always shows itself with power because God is almighty and there's no limit to his power it's a very simple kind of logic to that it's very true god is almighty god is 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 the source of all eternal power so wherever god comes there's power there's the power of god because he's broken in because he's come into a situation so the kingdom of god is a matter of power that's the thing i want us to get hold of the kingdom of god is a matter of power and when we talk about living in the kingdom it should be synonymous with living with an expectation and an experience of the power of God. This power is demonstrated throughout the Old Testament when the kingdom of God first started to come, in part. Uh, if you look at the story of the Exodus, the people of Israel are slaves in Egypt. They're, they're certainly powerless. They don't have uh, any freedom they're slaves, they're under the boot of the Egyptian slave drivers. And what does God do? He comes along and he rescues them. And he doesn't just rescue them with words. He rescues them with amazing acts of power. He rescues them by sending uh, plagues on the Egyptians. Uh, he rescues them um, by, by miracles. He, he leads them out of Egypt. He goes ahead of them in a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke. He parts the Red Sea. All kind of absolutely huge acts of power and if you look throughout the Old Testament particularly in kind of uh, the sort of first few books of the Old Testament where it's talking back about what God was doing through the Exodus there's this phrase that comes up a lot which we sometimes sing about and it says God led them out with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm he didn't just come along and I don't know speak a few words and that was it. But there's demonstrations of great power and even when, he kept, even when the people had come out of Egypt, they're there then in the wilderness for 40 years. God's leading them through the wilderness. And even there, there's miraculous expressions of God, God's power. Every single day, they wake up, there's manna. In the evening, there's quail. They've got food in the middle of the desert. He even brings water from a rock. There's these expressions of power which accompany God's kingdom coming. And, 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 and this, this narrative of him rescuing his people and bringing them out into the promised land. Of course, where we see this demonstrated most in the Bible is the New Testament as well. We've seen it through the Old Testament, through the Exodus. In the New Testament, we see the kingdom of God come in power through Jesus in uh, even more amazing ways. Firstly, of course, he come, the very fact that he was uh, born of a virgin, there was a, there was a miraculous element of uh, God's power around Jesus' birth. Okay. And then, of course, we see in his ministry that he wasn't just a mere teacher, although some people would try and pin that on him. 
some people would try and say, well, Jesus is great. He says some good things, good moral teacher. He's so much more than that. He had tremendous power, divine power, which he demonstrated through his ministry. That's why in Luke 6, verse 17 to 19, it talks about a great crowd of people gathering from from Jerusalem, from, from, from all around Israel, and from abroad as well. He, it's like he'd become famous because of his power and authority. And so people came to him, and it says a great number of people came from all over the place to hear him and be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Now, at this point, if we do a quick sort of attitude check as to where we are with this stuff, if you're anything like me, I'm confident in some elements of this and maybe not others. And what I mean is, when we talk as kind of good evangelical Christians about the power of God, we're very comfortable talking about the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel. We believe, don't we, in the gospel, in the message, the word of God. We believe that the gospel, it says in Romans 1.16, is the power of God for salvation. So we know that when the gospel's preached, there's power in it. The message has power because the message is a message of healing and forgiveness and reconciliation to God. And again, we're all sat here today because we've responded to that message and we've believed in him. And, uh, and so we've, we've, we've experienced the power of the gospel in our own lives. So we're quite, that's kind of a big tick, if you like. We're, we're happy with the power of the gospel. Anyone agree with that? We're happy with the power of the gospel, great. Also, I'd say we're, we're very confident in the power of the resurrection. Uh, we, we know that Jesus rose from the dead. We believe that. We're convinced of that. We know it. We know that he's, he's, he, he's defeated death and he's alive. And we know that we have a glorious hope of resurrection as well. We know that that's ahead for each one of us who trust in Jesus, that that's part of the promise. There's eternal life. There's, that, that there's the power of the age to come. And that when we die, we will be raised. We, we trust in that power. We have no kind of no issue with that, if you like. We believe in the power of the resurrection. But when we talk about the power of the kingdom come now, that's perhaps the bit we can struggle with sometimes. When we talk about these kind of things that we see, you know, in the Old Testament, miracles, parting of the sea, in the New Testament. Jesus walking on water, Jesus healing people, raising the dead, casting out demons, healing the sick. Perhaps sometimes we can then think, oh, how confident am I in the power of God for that kind of stuff now? Let me do another little poll. Hands up if you've ever prayed for the sick and uh, seen them healed. And that's, that's encouraging. That's really encouraging. Praise God. Hands up if you've ever prayed for the sick and they haven't been healed. <laughs> okay, so that's encouraging too because there was more of us who said that. So we're kind of all in the same boat here with this stuff. And that makes me think this, this is important for us to, to grapple with. I think praying for the sick. Okay, I'm just going to be really honest here and trying to kind of hit this issue because I think perhaps we'd all feel a little bit of this. We can feel a bit like England football fans sometimes when it comes to praying for the sick. Okay, it's, it's 2018, it's, it's a World Cup year, and uh, I think uh, a meme on the internet that kind of expresses this the best is probably this one here. Okay. <laughs> Brace yourself, disappointment is coming. Okay, there are those who already 
have started getting our hopes up. The minute the draw happened and we were drawing Panama, there were people saying, we're going to win, we're going to win the World Cup. Maybe some of you think that <laughs> already because of that draw. But you know what it's going to be like. I'm sorry to this takes the wind out of anyone's sails, but you know what's going to happen. We're going to get to the summer, there's going to be a lot of hype, and we're probably going to struggle our way through the group phrase, maybe just about reach the second round, but almost certainly then be knocked out by some minnow team. <laughs> I've been an England fan long enough to, 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 to know that that's how it often plays out. We, are, we, we, we underperform hugely, don't we, with our expectations. And what happens is we build our expectations up, we build our hopes up, and then we get them dashed, and so we, we feel disappointment. And you know what? I know, I know this from personal experience, so I'm going to talk about it, my personal experience of this in a minute, but disappointment can be something that really grips us in this area. And when it comes to praying for the sick, we, we, for those of us who put our hands up and said, you know, I pray for someone they weren't healed, often it, that can just leave a, a bit of disappointment. And maybe a cumulative then amount of disappointment. And then that affects us and that, that, that starts to shape our actions, starts to shape our level of expectancy, maybe even our theology, maybe even what we believe about God. And the thing that we need to make sure that we do is we need to make sure that the Word of God is the thing that shapes our theology and our understanding of God, not our experience. And that this is something that I've had to learn in this area. My own journey with this, uh, with, with praying for healing, um, when, as a young Christian, I uh, experienced kind of baptism in the Holy Spirit, knowing, knowing the touch of the power of God, uh, and I know I, I went to, I remember going to kind of conferences and places where people were sick, were healed for, where it was preached on, saw some, you know, some big things happening, people being healed, and started to get to grips with, especially as I studied the Bible more, I came to know this Jesus, that yes, this is something we can expect for today. And so I started to believe that that might happen. It was a very nerve-wracking thing in terms of me actually stepping out and doing it. But I started to do it, I started to step out, started to pray for people, and started to see... Um, a blend of experience. I saw times where I prayed for people and they weren't healed, and I start to see a few times where I prayed for people and, and they were healed. Uh, and, you know, seeing people healed from little ailments or, or whatever it was, um, and, and, and continue, sometimes some bigger things as well. And so it kind of felt like God started to get my heart for this, and it's something that I then was like, yes, I'm, I'm, I believe in this stuff, I'm going for this stuff. And so there's been times in my life where I've I prayed for the sick regularly with faith, other times where perhaps I haven't so much. But a big challenge came up um, for me when I met my father-in-law, uh, as uh, well, my future father-in-law when I first met him, um, who was a Christian, uh, Peter. He, he was a Christian and he, um, as, as, as a young man, he had uh, a serious kind of asthma attack which left him physically paralyzed completely paralyzed mentally completely sound but physically paralyzed and uh, at the time that I met him he'd already had been in that situation for a number of years and lots of people had prayed for him over the years um, conferences things like that churches he'd been in lots of places and God hadn't healed him okay and so this was kind of a bit of a challenge I thought okay uh, God's given me faith for healing here and and now someone's come into my life who this is a big big challenge and so we did pray for Pete from time to time for healing. He was very open to it. He was amazing. He had faith for it, even in spite of the fact that God hadn't healed him up to that point. 
And so, um, so I was kind of wrestling with this. Well, wow, this is a big one, God. Are you going to heal? Are you going to heal? Is he going to stand up from his wheelchair? Are we going to see this? And that was what I was hoping for. That's what we were praying for. And four years ago, um, Pete became seriously ill. We suddenly uh, had a diagnosis of cancer. It had gone quite far. And within two months, the Lord had taken him. Okay. And, but for that last two months, even, he still had faith. He still was open to being prayed for for healing. And yet he still completely trusted God. It was an amazing example of, of contentment. Contentment. Uh, and yet faith for, for healing. But I think my own experience of that, coming through that, was I took quite a knock in terms of this whole area of praying for healing because I, there was disappointment. I mean, really, there was, I had to be honest with myself and with God. I was disappointed that God didn't heal him, of course. Even though I knew and trusted that he'd gone to be with Jesus, he'd received healing eternally, and, and, and I trusted the sovereignty of God in that and still do. But I think actually after that, if someone had come up to me and said, pray for me for healing, for a long time, I would have thought, oh, really? Do I really expect this? And I think what, what my experience of disappointment was, was, it was something that I had to walk through. I had to walk through it. And the important thing was I had to come through it. I had to come out the other side of it. Because so I think the thing with disappointment in this area is it can, it can be like a cloak that comes over us and it can we can live under it and actually what I want to encourage us to do is to walk through it and to come out the other side and that's this is where it's challenging I know uh, because I know some of you have lived and are living with a sense of disappointment about this area but again what we're coming back to we've got to be shaped by what the word of God says and not by our experience in this area and I think the thing with, with, with disappointment in praying for healing is that it can erode our faith and it can, it can, it can, I said it can shape our theology. And what I mean by that is that our view of God can change. So we kind of know that the kingdom has come. We believe that. But we also know that it's now and not yet. We know that, that one day Jesus will return and the kingdom will come in fullness. And so we know that there's a tension there. But perhaps what we can do is just put a big question mark there and say, well, if I pray for someone, is it going to be a kingdom now moment or is it going to be a kingdom not yet moment? And almost our approach to praying for healing can be a bit like a lottery approach, like is the big hand, it could be you, it could be today. Is the big hand going to be over me today as I pray for this person or is it not? And the thing with that is, I know this is challenging, but the thing with that is, is that you ca it can actually change your view of God into a bit like a pagan deity. You know, I'm praying for sick. Well, if God wills, maybe he'll do it. Maybe he won't. Depends what kind of mood he's in today. And that's not the God we know, is it? That's not the revealed God of Scripture. That's not the God of the kingdom. And I think the other thing with this, I'm just going to stay on this thing about disappointment for a little bit longer because I think it's really important, is that our society doesn't help with this area. Uh, we have voices in our society that are telling us different things about this. Now, um, I, had, I did a little internet search about how to avoid disappointment, and I found this thing that came up, and this is in all kinds of different web pages and social media places. It's in magazines, it's in self-help books. This is it, okay? This is it. The best way to avoid disappointment is not to expect anything from anyone. And it almost sounds, framing it in that sense, it sounds ridiculous, 
But this is what people genuinely are believing and teaching and giving each other as life coaching advice. Which I think is really sad. <laughs> because what this is essentially about is self-protection, isn't it? It's protect, trying to protect yourself from pain. Trying to protect yourself from, from building your hopes up and getting them dashed. It, which is understandable. But actually, is that really how we want to live? And as Christians as well, especially, is that really how we want to live? Because I'd say, for us as Christians, particularly with what God has revealed to us, this is complete nonsense. It really is complete and total, utter nonsense. And we don't want to get duped by it. Because to be a Christian is to be someone who can live with great expectations. Because we have a God who has done the most amazing things for us. We have a God who uh, has... has as, 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 as we've heard, as we've been hearing already, he's shown his power. He's broken in to our situation. He's come and rescued us. He's come and got hold of us. He's come and uh, taken us out of where we were. He's a God who um, has sketched out this incredible plan of history of what he's doing through the world. He's given us the message of Jesus. He's shown us where it's all going. He's shown us where it's all heading. He's a God with a plan. He's a God who has shown us that we can expect much of him. We can have great expectations of him and of what he can do. William Carey, that someone who's known to be the, the, the father of modern missions in many ways, says this great quote. You may have heard it before. He says, expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. That's a pretty inspirational kind of quote. But it, I think there's, it's true. Isn't that what, how Jesus lived? Isn't that how the early church lived with great expectations because of what God has said, because of who he is and because of what he's said and how he's revealed himself to be. So, guys, I really want to encourage you if, you, if you can relate to that stuff about disappointment in this area of praying for healing, maybe it's your own healing, maybe it's someone else's healing, or maybe it's just when you've prayed for the sick and not seen stuff happen. I want to encourage you to to walk through disappointment and to keep coming back to what God has said and to allow him to lift your expectations. So, here's the big question then. To what extent has the kingdom of God come? How much can we expect God to heal today? We know that he sometimes doesn't. We kind of have a sense that he should do more <laughs> or, or something, but... How, how can we know? What, how much can we expect the kingdom of God to come? So, and listen, there's, this is a big subject, and you could do a whole preaching series on this. You could, you know, there's, there's an awful lot of background, an awful lot of stuff in the Bible that talks about this. This is more, I've picked out some key things, okay, to walk us through. This is more about kind of heart and vision today. Um, and if you've got any questions about this afterwards, please come and let's, let's start this conversation. You know, if there's things you're grappling with, there's theological questions, please come and talk to me. I'd be only too happy to talk about those more and go through them more. But just want to look at a few things that we get from the New Testament um, as to why we can know with confidence that God heals today. Because it's my conviction, and this is what I want to say really through today, is that God wants to heal today. God does. He wants to heal today. We can believe and see the power of God today, 
and over the next few months and years for us as a site. I really believe that. God wants to heal today. A few points to back this up. The first one is that the kingdom of God is always characterized by miraculous healing. Okay, so I've already touched on this a little bit, that you look at the ministry of Jesus and you see that the kingdom of God comes with power, and particularly with healing power. 38.5% of all of the verses in the Gospels, I haven't counted this, someone has, are devoted to describing Jesus' healing miracles. That's quite a big slice of the pie, if you think about it. That's over a third of the verses in all four Gospels are devoted to describing Jesus' healing miracles. So even just from a mathematical point of view, you could say, well, it's, it is a priority as part of what God wanted to communicate through the Gospels. It's a big part of what Christianity is all about. In Matthew 11, uh, when John the Baptist was in prison, he sent this message to Jesus. He said, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? And in Matthew 11, verse 4, Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the, to the poor. That was his answer for John the Baptist. That's all he needed to say because it was about the kingdom of God coming. The kingdom of God. Healing demonstrates the rule of Jesus. You see, healing is like a sign of the kingdom. Healing is something that demonstrates um, the rule of Jesus. So when the kingdom comes, healing comes. First point. The second point is that God is willing. Okay, Matthew 8, um, there's a story. It says, a man with leprosy came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the leper. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. And this is something again to grasp hold of. God is willing to heal. Okay, when Jesus came, there, what, how, what we saw in all these amazing kind of healings around his ministry was there was an outflow of God's mercy and compassion. God came to earth in human form and he couldn't help but heal people because that's in his very nature. God is so merciful and compassionate and he wants to heal. And another thing to say on that is that sickness, I think it's okay to say this and to call it out, sickness is not good. It's not a good thing. It's a consequence of the fall. And so it's something that God wants to heal. God wants to break. Because it's not a good thing. Now obviously there's stuff you can say around that. We're not going to be healed and live forever eternally here on the earth. We know that there's that element of full and complete healing when Jesus returns. We know that in heaven, it says in Revelation, there's going to be no more sickness, no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. We know that that's not going to be perfect now. We're still going to grow old and die. But sickness is not something good and God is willing to heal. say a bit more on that in, in a minute but the next point is that God has defeated the enemy so God has made it possible for healing to come right from the beginning it's been about God rescuing people from the kingdom of Satan 
and bringing them like liberated captives into his own kingdom. And Colossians is great on this. In Colossians 1.13, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. It talks about, later on in Colossians, about what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And it says, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, triumphing over them by the cross. So Jesus and what he achieved with his life, death and resurrection, it broke the power of Satan. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work, 1 John 3, verse 8. This is what Jesus' ministry is all about. It's about destroying the enemy in order to release the power of God's kingdom. It's a bit like at the end of World War II when the Allies came through Normandy and swept across uh, France and Belgium and into Germany. They talked about them being the liberators, didn't they? They liberated uh, these countries that had been under German Nazi occupation. And the Nazis were like a, a usurping power. They came across Belgium and France. They took it over. They had no right to be there, but they took it over. And what the liberating force did was it drove them back and liberated. And that's why there were a great, great celebration in places like Brussels and Paris when, when the, the Allies came through, because they were liberated from the, from the usurped enemy that had taken their territory. And that's exactly what it's like. Satan is the usurper. He's the one who has taken territory that never belonged to him. And yet Jesus breaks his power and liberates us. And one of the ways he liberates is in bringing healing and implementing the victory that he won. Next, this is all reasons why we can believe for God to heal today. Next, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. What did Jesus say to his disciples just before he ascended to heaven in Acts chapter 1? He said, wait here, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Holy Spirit, power with us. Finally, God has commanded us to pray for the sick. Mark 16, Mark's uh, version of the Great Commission. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. And one of, one of the people that inspires me most in this area of healing is uh, John Wimber, who was the founder of the Vineyard Movement and who uh, uh, throughout the kind of 80s and 90s mainly had an incredible kind of ministry. God used him a lot in healing. And he says this in his book, Power Healing. He says, obedience to God's word is the fundamental reason why I pray for the sick. He saw it very clearly that we are sent, we are commissioned by God to heal the sick. We're empowered. Jesus has broken the power of sin, power of sickness. We can go. We have the Holy Spirit with us. Everything's all stacking up in our favor. <laughs> when you look at what the scripture says, it's all in our favor, actually. And when we pray for the sick, it's like we're leaning on an open door. God's there. He's willing. He wants to do it. And so, and he's also commanded us to do it. So it's, it was a matter of obedience for John Wimber. 
which I think is incredibly challenging and encouraging for us. And you know, he was a guy who experienced disappointment in this area as well. Uh, famously, he prayed, he prayed for people, his whole church prayed for people for 10, 11, 12 months before they saw one person healed. Um, also, in the introduction to his book, Power Healing, there's a, a testimony of um, a friend of his called David Watson, who some of you may, may remember as well, who was another church leader and kind of um, preacher and uh, someone who spoke about healing a lot as well. And he was a guy who, who, who got ill uh, and was terminally ill and lots of people prayed for him and he wasn't healed and he went to be with Jesus too. And this is what John Wimber says. It's very, it's very moving actually this. This is what he says in the introduction to his book, Power Healing, about David Watson. He says, I do not know why he was not healed. I lost my dearest friend, but I have continued to pray for the sick and always will. So again, he walked through disappointment. He came through. And one of the things that he also understood was that healing looks very different. Uh, sorry, that healing has lots of different um, appearances. What I mean by that is our society likes to, likes to define things, doesn't it, and categorize things and puts, puts things in a box. And I believe that it's done that with our human nature. Okay, so you have a physical box over here. You have an emotional box over here. You have a psychological box over here. And the way modern medicine tends to work, uh, and I speak as a novice on this because I'm not a medical person, but it tends to treat different areas. You've got your physical, you've got your mental over here, you've got your psychological over here. And actually, and that's fine, and that's good, but there's something about how God has made us as human beings that yeah, we have all of those different categorizations, we have all those different characteristics, but we're one, aren't we? We're whole people, right? We're, we're whole people. I'm not, one day I'm not a physical person, the next day I'm an emotional person, the next day I'm a mental person, whatever it is. Like, we are all one. And, and God's, God knows us. God knows us better than we know ourselves. And so when he works healing, his healing can look different. So try and, try and explain this. With the example of my father-in-law again, he had a very broken body. You know, he lived in a hospital. He had needed 24-hour care. He could hardly speak and communicate. He couldn't move, really. His body was very broken, and God didn't heal it. But he did an incredible work of healing in, on the inner man. He was, he was full of joy. He was full of contentment. He was full of... He was emotionally very healed, a very healed person. Okay, he went to the hospital. There was a horrible kind of de depressive state over the place because people, were, people were, were broken. Their bodies weren't working. They had no hope for their lives, really. And you could see that hanging over people. And yet he shone out in the middle of that as a beacon, always a big smile on his face, always just had radiating, really, an inner peace which God had given him. And so all the years of people praying for him, they would prayed for healing, and they hadn't quite seen the healing that we all wanted, but God had done a work of healing. And you know, when you pray for the sick, sometimes God might not heal the physical thing, but he might do another type of healing. Or sometimes you might not need physical healing, but you might need a different type of healing. And all of this we can see, all of this is a sign of the power of the kingdom to come. 
Okay, so I, wanna, I just want to encourage you, particularly some of you here today, and you, you perhaps you need healing physically. I'd love to pray for you later. Some of you are here, and it's not physical healing that you need. It's emotional healing, or it's psychological healing. God can do that too. And I want us to grow in this stuff together and to grow in expectancy and to grow in it. So I, I just want to encourage you, particularly if you are living with disappointment about your own healing, to put your faith in God again, to be prepared to walk through that disappointment. Don't do that thing that they say, don't expect anything of anyone. Don't do that. Keep clinging on to God. Keep hanging on to him for your healing because he can and he will heal. And you know, for us as a site, the reason why I'm preaching on this is that I, I really just, I, I just feel that this is something that God has for us. I don't know, I can't really quantify it. I just feel God's given me a burden for this, to lead us into this. I just feel that over the next months, years, this is a, a characteristic that God wants to, to give us as a site. It's something that Mark and I have, have talked about and um, very much on the same page as well. I think we feel this is, this, is, this is of God. This is something that God wants to do in us. He wants to teach us in this area and, and grow us in this area. How do we do it then? How do we, where do we go from here? Well, the kingdom starts small, is a mustard seed and grows. So wherever you are with this stuff, maybe you've never prayed for the sick and you find the idea of praying for the sick terrifying, that's fine, <laughs> start from where you are. Maybe you've seen people healed in the past and you haven't prayed for a while, that's fine, start where you are. Maybe you know that God's given you a, a, a gift of healing and you, you, you're like brimming at the, at the sound of this preach and you want to get going and pray for people, then great, carry on from where you are as well. But I, I do believe that this is something God wants us to grow in. Just very practically, faith and obedience is what we can bring in this whole area. This is something that all of us can do uh, as a response. If you're, still not un if you're still not convinced, if you have questions, then I'd encourage you to uh, talk to me afterwards and go to Scripture, study some more. If you feel like, you know, theologically, I'm just not 100% convinced here. Please, let's talk that through and work that through together. But if it's just a matter of you just need faith and obedience, then let that be your response. We're invited to partner with the Holy Spirit in this stuff. He brings the power. We bring the faith and the obedience. And not that it's about the, the, the amount of faith that we have, but it's the fact that our faith is in him. That's the thing that we need to bring. So very finally, God wants to heal today. So we need to pray for healing. That's what I'd love to see as, a, as, a, as an outcome of all of this. Just, you know, in our lives together, let's pray for one another for healing. Let's be expectant of God and let's, let's do that with one another.